The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D.E. Morris. Full cast production, narrated by Greg King. Mei Xing could have been in the middle of a performance for the way she was moving. Her eyes were not quite closed as she spun and jumped, slicing through the air, clothing and flesh with razor-sharp fan blades. Like a blind person would use their other senses to figure out where objects and people were, Mei Xing let the air speak to her. She could feel the subtle changes in temperature and flow. From that, it was easy to know where to strike, when to pivot, and when to block. She was lithe and graceful, her expression never wrinkling in labor or exertion. Nearby, Ashlyn was doing her best not to get beaten down in her human form. It felt as though every enemy knew she was the one to go after and try to do just that. She caught a glance of Mei Xing out of the corner of her eye and envied the woman's confidence. When it became apparent that Ashlyn's sword was not going to be enough, a thought had blue and gold flames clinging to her blade. She'd forgotten that the flames themselves acted as a magnet to the enemy, and when they began to rush her, she cursed and ran until she could see no way out of her predicament. Surrounded, she sliced through the enemy with a feral zeal. Something white appeared out of nowhere, and she watched as Sule reared up, slamming his powerful hooves down on one of Laylee's men. How is Luela? She asked, blocking a strike. One for bad, two for good. With a quick swing of his head, the unicorn answered by stabbing one man in the chest with his brilliant horn, another in the eye. That is what I like to hear. They are coming from everywhere. No's voice came from above. I do not know who these black ones are, but they fight against Laidley's men now as well. What? They are taking orders from Laidley's captain. A spear shot by him a little too close. Anger sparked in his eye and No disappeared to go after whomever had thrown it. We are here. Luela ducked under Ashlyn's raised sword, her own sword in hand, and took the head of a knight from her brother's courts. Are you all right? Never better. The two women clashed swords in a moment of unity, then pivoted and split off in opposite directions. Tasserin was over, closer to Mei Xing. We need to regroup. And where do you propose we do that? Ashlyn got a kick oh. to the center of her back and was sent sprawling to the ground. Luela was quick to cover her and kill the man who kicked Ashlyn while Tasserin held her up. The tavern. The spell the elves put on it is holding. They did not even know we were there. The tavern, then. Let's find the others and get there as soon as we can. As it happened, not everyone made it back to the tavern. Ashlyn looked around at those who were gathered. All of them were covered in blood and dirt, with torn clothing and cold hands and feet. The night was already wearing long, and the snow was coming faster. It tried to pull you into the ground? She asked, staring incredulously at Cavalon. She rubbed a hand over her heart, trying to ignore the aching pain that had started there just moments ago. What are we fighting? Demons. Clearly. How are you feeling? Emmeline asked him. He looked at her somewhat sheepishly. <sighs> Fine, 
Thank you. They fight against one another now. I saw the black ones, those with Merrick, turn against one of Laidley's men because he was in the way. Where is Laidley? I have not seen him. What about Merrick? Jaren asked. He noticed Ashlyn's actions and frowned. You feeling all right, love? Fine. I have not seen Merrick either. What can we do? Ashlyn instinctively looked at her father, grimacing when she saw the long gash over his left eye. Anyone have any suggestions? The fire worked. They're attracted to it even though it kills them instantly. So we set the place on fire. What do we do with everyone else? Only elementals can live through that. We need to gather them into one place. If we can figure out how to do that, then we can just get rid of them in one fell swoop. What about the bodies? I know you said you wanted to wait, to have a big ceremony for everyone that we lost after the battle's over. But what if you set the fire now? You said they're attracted to it, right? If the fire is big enough, they shall flock to- She didn't finish. Her mouth slackened as her eyes rolled back in her head and her legs gave out. Emmeline caught her before she hit the floor, her grip on the younger woman tightening when her body started going into convulsions. And that very same instant, Ashlyn's knees buckled and she fell to her hands with a cry, <laughs> looking like she was going to be sick. It was Cablon who figured it out first. Panic widened his golden eyes. May. He ran from the tavern without a look back. Elos and Wesley ran after him, swords drawn. May Shing! Cavalon bellowed out into the night. Darting in front of him, Elos and Wesley fought off any that tried to get in his way. Meshing! There were bodies strewn everywhere, and it was impossible to find her. Cavalon! He looked toward Elos and saw the younger man point. Following the line of sight, he experienced a rage he hadn't felt in a long time. It was with blindness he fought and ran, and eventually fell to the cold, wet ground before Meshing. No. He moaned, gathering her small body into his arms. No, 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 May, come on. Wake up. May, open your eyes. Her head rolled to the side and revealed a long, open wound, the width of her neck. Steam rose from the spilled blood that was still warm. It could only have been a surprise attack. She was too skilled a warrior to be taken down otherwise. It made sense now. The way Ashlyn felt the pain of her passing, Misuzu collapsing was her receiving the power of the air elemental. Cavalon gripped Meixing's body tightly, nuzzling his face into her hair as he stood with her. Wesley and Elos continued to fight around him, as did many of the villagers. Though she had not been there long, they understood the gravity of the loss. In a circle of protection, Cavalon made his way back to the tavern and down inside. What happened? Jaren asked, crouching beside his wife on the floor. Ashlyn looked up with tears shining on her face. <laughs> I felt her go. No pain I have felt could ever match that. <laughs> with help from Jaren, Ashlyn got to her feet and went to Cavalon. Meixing's hand was cold and limp when she took it and pressed it to her lips. My sister... I've only just found you. 
now you are lost to me. In her death comes a new birth. Kavlon looked around. Where's Misuzu? With Tosser and Nuela. Ashlyn's eyes took in the Badarian's face and saw her own sorrow reflected deeply there. Kavlon, you're bleeding. I'm fine. He lay Meixing on an empty cot, gentle as though she were simply sleeping. Enough of all this messing around. We end it now. Are you with me? Though she was still shaken, she nodded. Of course. Come on. We're going to need Misuzu. Luela saw them coming and stepped in front of Cavalon, wiping tears from her face. She knows Cavalon. She cannot think straight. I don't need her to think. Cavalon hardly met Luela's eyes as he moved her aside and walked to where Misuzu lay in tears. You have to get up, Misuzu. I know you're hurting, but you'll have time to feel that later. Your mother is dead, and unless you get up and help us fight right now, we may all join her. It was a cruel thing to say, and Tasserin glared at him. She just lost her mother. And I just lost my sister. Do you see me curling into a ball and weeping? Get up, Misuzu. Right now. He took her wrist and pulled her into a sitting position. His hands took her face and made her look at him. Listen to me. She's here. I got her inside. Her body is safe, but her spirit is gone. I know you're thinking you want to go with her. But you give up on me right now, and no one makes it out of this alive. You need to get up his fight. Get angry and use that. Use that raging fire you have inside you and help us win this. Do you hear me? She nodded between his hands, and he loosened his grip on her to wipe her eyes. Thank you, Kevalon. Thank me when this is all over. He kissed her forehead the way a father would kiss his daughter. Turning toward everyone watching, his expression was hard once more. Let's go. Ashlyn! Noala ran down the stairs and inside, panting and holding a hand to her neck. Something approaches. What now? She growled, running past the winged woman. You alright? Cavalon asked before he passed her. I will be. She ascended the steps beside him, Misuzu just behind. Whatever comes is living in fire. There was confusion on Cavalon's face, but hope peeked through Misuzu's misery. But you... The snow was falling faster now, the ground a gray slushy mess. Bodies of men and women, broken, bleeding and unmoving were everywhere. In the sky there was a light in the darkness. Just as Nuala said, it was a living flame. Now that it was close, those who recognized the form knew it was another elemental. The fire dragon flew over the village with a ferocious cry, flames streaming from his hulking form like a cloak billowing in the wind. Faces from every army turned skyward and cowered at this new addition to the battle. 
The dragon wasn't as large as Cavalon, but there was something fierce about him. His feet came down to land on a roof, pushing off of it with such force that the thatching caught flame before falling in on itself. The dragon did a tight circle in the air and dove, spewing flames at anything that moved. He doesn't know who the enemy is. He's killing anyone he can. Nuala. Cavalon turned to the winged woman. You're born in fire. You're the only one who would be able to get close enough to communicate with him. For some reason, elementals can't speak to each other through telepathy. You're going to have to get to him and touch him to open communication. Nervous, turquoise eyes lifted skyward, following the erratic path of the new dragon. I can do it. Leaping into the air, she gave a powerful flap of her wings and shot off into the night. Our turn. Cavalon looked at the three women with him. We need to take to the skies as well. Misuzu, I don't know if you'll feel the normal pain of it. You've been shifting all your life, so I pray you'll be spared from it. I won't know what to do. You will. He gripped her shoulders. We all felt that way our first time. But as soon as you've changed, it will be second nature. <sighs> Are we ready? Ashlyn nodded confirmation and the four of them parted ways at a fast run. As soon as one had clearance from people and buildings, the shift came and the dragons took to the sky. Misuzu had no trouble with the change and found Cavalon's words to be true. It was like any other shape she'd ever taken, but with a sense that the form belonged to her just as much as her feline and human forms. Seeing the sky now spotted with elementals, other gales shifted and took to the air. Nuala flew close to the fire dragon, the intense heat from the flames rolling off his body making her sweat in the bitter cold night. He saw her and turned to snap at her. With a quick fold of her wings, Nuala darted below his neck and to the other side of his body. He saw her and snapped again. Her wings fanned and caught the current, lifting her high and out of his reach. Banking, she glided sideways and landed on his back. He cried out his anger into the night, and Nuala braced herself for the voice that would surely be yelling and cursing at her. Get off my back, you flying beacon! You are killing our people! What is your voice? He swooped low, blowing a stream of fire at a group of terrified soldiers and killing them instantly. I am not, I'm not here, here to help you, birds. We are on the are same on the side as the ones, ones you came you here came to here save. save. The dragon rose higher in the air, taking the time to process the words in his head. You are with Cavalon? Yes. She looked to the side and pointed. See? They come to you now. It is time to act as one. Let them show you who you fight. The other dragons flew over him and around him, dancing in the air as a sort of greeting. Cavalon trumpeted loudly into the night, the others doing the same answer. In a tight formation, the dragons dove and split from each other to fight, Badru following Cavalon. Nuala flung her wings and caught the upward current to take her from the dragon's back. 
In a flashing explosion of light, she became the Phoenix. Her high cry had many of her people flocking to her, ready for instructions. Merrick walked through the crowds of people flailing swords and staves and maces, looking as though he were simply taking a stroll. His own sword was drawn, and when anyone got too close to him, a Celt or a man of Laidley's, there was no hesitance in dispatching him. He saw ahead of him a wild tangle of blonde curls and sneered. It was the Gaelic queen he sought, and here she was before him. Her back was to him, leaving her wide open to his advancing. Merrick lifted his sword and prepared to lunge forward, but his blow was knocked aside by a man stepping in front of him and slamming the hilt of his sword into Merrick's jaw. Wesley took a step back, riding his sword and standing in front of his wife to protect her. She'd left the tavern to aid some of the wounded on the field and was now trying to get back, but it was complete madness with the fear the dragons put into everyone. I will lead him away. Try to run. Straightening, Merrick touched his jaw and grinned. Ah, King Wesley. For a moment, I thought I was looking at your brother. I did not realize how similar you were in appearance. Dark eyes went to Emmeline. This must be your beautiful wife. He twirled his sword. How sad that I must make a widow of you tonight. Unless I decide to be kind and let you join him in the afterlife. <laughs> he advanced and drove his sword into Wesley's with a loud clashing. Wesley was just as skilled as the older man and knew how to block almost every single move that was made. Neither held back, using all the force they had as they swung and struck. More than once, one was knocked to the ground and had to stand with a cold and slush-covered sword. Emmeline couldn't find an out that wouldn't put her directly in danger, and she was forced to stay and cower. With the cold numbing his hands, Wesley was starting to struggle in the match. In an attempt to end the fight, he lunged, but Merrick was too quick and pivoted, sending Wesley to the side and slamming his elbow down into the middle of Wesley's back. The king went sprawling on the ground, his sword sliding just out of his reach. Merrick raised his own blade for a killing blow, but Emmeline distracted him by throwing the helmet of a dead man at him. Wrong move. Instead of going after Wesley, he turned for Emmeline. Realizing what she'd done, she turned to run. Merrick was quick to catch her and wrap an arm snugly around her waist. Behind him, Wesley had recovered and reclaimed his sword, but found it hard to get through the mass of people fighting. Pretty little queen. <laughs> you will be the first to die, and I will let your husband watch. She struggled in his grasp as he turned both of them around. Wesley was powerless to watch as Merrick plunged his sword into Emmeline's chest. Wesley's cry was despairing, and he froze, watching Merrick pull his sword free so she could sink to the ground. He stepped carelessly over Emmeline's body. That was invigorating. He took a deep breath and livened. I killed your brother, and your bride. Before the night is over, I will kill your children. 
And now I will kill you. Merrick took a step forward but stopped quickly, his eyes going wide. His breath caught in his throat and he looked down. Three arrows found their mark in his body. One through his stomach, one through his chest, and one through his shoulder. In shock, he turned around to see Kanade, who was knocking another arrow and ridding herself to lose it. Sabari beside her with two arrows in her own bow. He gripped the arrowhead coming from his stomach, then sank to his knees, finally falling to the ground beside Emmeline's body. In an instant, the black warriors exploded to nothingness, and a path opened up for both father and daughter. Wesley beat Kanade and shoved Merrick's body away as he pulled Emmeline's limp body into his arms. He sobbed openly and unashamed, pressing his ear to her breast. There was no heartbeat, and he wept into her shoulder. Kanade fell to her knees beside her parents. Weeping, she threw her arms around Wesley and forgot about the battle going on around them. High above, the dragons and the Blarn now had no enemies in the air with them. Without a word, gales and elementals shifted back to their human forms in a majestic flourish. The Valar landing beside them. They took up weapons and fought against the humans that were under the command of Laidley. It was now an evenly matched battle. Merrick's men are gone! Ashlyn called, shoving a knight away from her before lunging with her sword. That must mean he has been killed. You have to find Laidley! Said Luella getting knocked on her rear in the snow. Who uh, is Laidley? A tall man with skin the color of cinnamon and wearing long, colorful robes ran a spear through a man. Laidley is the High King in Sadia now. I saw him closer to the castle. Follow me. Jaren was the first to find the young king and faced him with such a wrath that he was almost unrecognizable. He'd seen Kanade and Wesley with Emmeline. Adding Mei Xing's death to it, Jaren was more than ready to make sure Laidley never saw another sunrise. So, you are the High King of these lands, Laidley said, feet spread wide in a stance of defense. How many losses have you suffered tonight? Too many, Jaren growled. No landed just to his right, a long thin sword in his hands. Nuala, along with several other of the Valar, landed as well and formed a circle of protection around the three men, fighting off those that would try to interfere. With dawn only a few hours away, the others arrived just in time to see Jaren and No charge forward to attack Laidley together. They worked as a team against the young king, but he was highly skilled and dodged almost every one of their moves. Even with one man coming at him from the left and the other from the right, he was quick and hard to best. A glimpse of his sister, bedraggled, soaked, and with a beautiful, blood-stained sword in her hands momentarily distracted him. She was a courtly woman, a lover of fine gowns and pretty jewelry. He'd seen her attacked by those things Merrick controlled, and knew she shouldn't have lived. Yet, there she was, fighting, striking, and taking her blows like a man. No sword sliced open Laidley's arm and he growled loudly. His attention returned to his battle and he moved to retaliate at the same moment Nuala cried out in pain. 
No couldn't help but turn around. He saw his wife bleeding on the ground, left arm slashed to ribbons and left wing severed. He rushed to help her as she reached out for him, attention completely shifted. Laidley ducked a lethal swing from Jaren and lunged with all his strength driving his sword through Noe's back and piercing his heart. Nuala watched, frozen, with a scream building in her throat. Badru dispatched the two men who had injured her, and Cavalon helped her to her feet. She tried to launch herself away, desperate to get to know and struggling with Cavalon. Her blood was all over him now, but he didn't let her go. You can't help him. She clawed at Cavalon, trying to break free, but his grip on her remained firm. When she realized he was not going to let her go, she screamed her husband's name once and sagged against Cavalon, completely broken and drained. In the cold, the heat of her body was felt instantaneously. Nuala. She was warm and getting warmer. Their earlier conversation came back to him, and he remembered what she told him about dying when she so chose. No, Nuala. You need to stay here. You cannot leave your people without a leader. She looked up at him for a moment, then became flame and cinders in his arms. He cursed when the fires faded and her ashes flew away on the wind. It was now up to Jaren. He was faltering, but so was Laidley. Both men were tired, yet determined. <sighs> it... it wasn't... It wasn't supposed to be like this. Laidley wheezed, clutching a stitch in his side as Jaren paused for breath. There was compassion in Laidley yet, seeing Luela had brought it out in him. But Merrick's powers had been great indeed and fought against the humanity still left within him. His weary frown turned into a sneer, his words becoming taunts. Your people are dying all around you. Surrender now, and you may be spared. <laughs> Who do you think you're fooling? He'd kill all of us given the opportunity. This is our land, our heritage. Do you think we'd actually give that up and hand it over to you? You would if you were smart. Laidley advanced with sword raised, smashing the hilt of it into Jaren's face before the other man knew what was happening. Jaren stumbled back, blinded by blood where the skin above his left eye was split. He felt hands pulling him away and only briefly saw Luela rush past him. Sister! Laidley and Luela faced each other, both wearing similar expressions of weary determination. How? How could you turn against me? Luela shook her head sadly. This was exactly where she said she hadn't wanted to be. If Laidley was to die, she didn't want to witness it. She could only hope now to reason with him and end things civilly. You left me no choice, Laidley. Merrick turned our father into an evil man, and I knew you were going to let him do the same to you. Merrick made me a great king. Laidley looked at his sister with sadness. You could have been part of it. You could have had anything you wanted in Sadia. But you left. 
You left and forced me to become what I am. No, brother. Luila dropped her sword, leaving herself open to attack. It was you who left. The moment you chose war over family. The brother I knew. The brother I grew up with. Was no longer there. I was tired of being the whelp. Tired of never being loved. Never would I have measured up to father, and never did I measure up to you, the perfect daughter. Laidley also lowered his weapon, seemingly forgetting everyone and everything else going on around him. All my life I fought, struggled to be recognized. Father hardly looked twice at me, and mother, she was too weak to even care. No one but Merrick thought I could be anything. Luella took a step closer, obviously wounded. I thought you could be. I knew you could be. Lately, no one supported you like I did. Laidley looked down, his drive replaced with exhaustion. He hardly moved when Luella framed his face in her hands. I came here to kill you. Luella, you do not belong to me anymore. I saw what you are. I cannot let you live. You can. There doesn't have to be a war between us lately. You fear them. Us. Because you do not understand. No. He shook his head and her hands dropped. No, you do not understand. He looked at her with sorrow, then stepped back quickly and gripped his sword tighter. Luaili scrambled for her own sword and swung up when she felt it in her grasp, blocking what would have been a killing blow. Lately, it does not have to end this way. But it was clear from his face that he couldn't hear her anymore. He dropped to the ground and swung out a leg to knock Luella off her feet. She landed with a thud and looked up in horror to see Laidley advancing on her with his sword raised. Instinct took over and she struck out with her blade. Laidley's sword fell to the ground and he staggered back, clutching the hilt of the ornate claymore as it protruded from his stomach. Betrayal was on his face, and when he opened his mouth to speak, blood trickled down his chin. There came a sudden clarity to his eyes, and he looked upon Luella with love. She got to her feet and held his shoulders, tears coursing down her cheeks. He staggered, his face a mask of pain. A sob caught in Luella's throat, and she shook her head. Brother. She followed him down as his knees hit the ground. With his last breath, he fell forward into her embrace.
Oh, <laughs> 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 